Jaws 2 is a mash base. People want to admit that, especially the. Is that the one with um, Michael Caine, or is that three? No, that's, that's, four. That's, that's four. four. That's four. That's I, I, four. I'm the Jaws expert, Craig. I'm the Jaws expert. Sorry. You would have known nothing about Jaws Revenge, man, or three, or two. I know nothing about any of them, other than Michael Caine said that Jaws 4 The Revenge bought my house in Santa Barbara. Still, man. Hello, Secret Movie Clubbers. Welcome to Secret Movie Club Podcast 154. The gang is all here. Today, we are going to talk about the continually Connor-inspired themes of discussing movies that are themed around holidays around this time of year. So today, we're talking about July 4th and summer holiday films. Who is with us today? Hey, everyone. It's Daniel, and my pronouns are uh, USA. Hey, gamers. Uh, it's me. Uh, Connor Lloyd Cruz, the people's champion here, live from the inside of the the Titan. Um, we've been we've been lost underwater for several weeks now, and uh, <laughs> isn't this a little too soon, homie? <laughs> I'm here. I'm. This is. I'm not joking around about anything. I'm here. I'm also here virtually with a man who I know loves this country. Uh, American Go uh, Edwin Gomez. I almost called you American Gomez. Edwin Gomez. <laughs> he'll change his name to that when he runs for like president. It'll be American Gomez, and he'll get every single vote. Well, I guess it's appropriate to say now, but you know, uh, hello America. It's just uh, another day, another dollar, and uh, someone's gotta raise that Titanic, man. Guys, what is up with it? This is inappropriate humor. You gotta pray for those people. I said raise the Titanic. By the time this airs, we're gonna know the fates of those poor people and then they're gonna make a movie out of it like two years later and i'm craig the founder programmer of secret movie club welcome secret movie clubbers here's what's happening this week well today when this is released july 7th we're showing satoshi khan's paprika on 35 millimeter japanese with english subtitles our 7:30 show is sold out but we've added a 9:30 show so please come check that out also on wednesday july 12th we have our july secret filmmaking workshop as always you can write us at community at secretmovieclub.com find out our entire summer season at secretmovieclub.com and the shortcut to get tickets is just go google eventbrite secret movie club and then if you go to secretmovieclub.com we've got our whole archive of podcasts we've got tv shows we've got our movie store we've got a bunch of stuff there please uh, visit us and we always appreciate reviews if you come to our events a google or yelp review and i notice i want to thank secret movie clubbers actually they're doing it so thank you guys i really appreciate the increased google reviews and and the kindness of those Google reviews. And if uh, you're listening to our pod and you like what you hear, an Apple podcast or wherever you can review podcasts, it really does all help us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, moving on. It is summertime, the official day of summer. It's funny, I didn't know this until I was an adult. I should have figured this out. The seasons change on the 21st or 20, like the 21st roughly of the month that you would think summer begins. So the official beginning of summer is June 21st. And the official end of summer is September 20th, September 21st. So we are going to be talking about movies that take place in that time frame. The summer season in the United States really only has one huge holiday, and that's July 4th, which is a big one. Culturally, I think we think of it more as June, July, August. Oh, yeah, totally. September is school. 
which yeah. is why actually our open mic short night for September 2023, the theme for people who are going to make short films is back to school. And in fact, one movie I've programmed in September is very much sort of a tongue in cheek back to school, not the Rodney Dangerfield movie, oh, although you. although I have nostalgia for that. But it's a double bill. I hope people enjoy it sort of tongue in cheek. Also, we, we programmed some summer movies in July that are almost seem so easy. I may not mention them. Other people may mention them. Anyway, summer, it's a state of mind. It's July 4th, our independence. Uh, there are plenty of movies that have been made about how Americans feel about the 4th of July and July 4th. I think I think Edwin, I think Mr. America himself actually <laughs> America go Gomez. First. America, America Gomez. Gomez. I know you spent the last two weeks like diligently researching and cross-referencing. You sent us all your chart list just saying, hey, guys, in case you couldn't think of a movie, I want to help you out because I'm a team player. And if you look good, we all look good. So why don't you pick from that list? Uh, you know, you know, Craig, uh, I, I appreciate that, but you know, I, I think I'm going to wing it. It's like what an American would do. You know what I mean? Shocker. It's like what the mayor said. It's it's all psychological, you know? You yell Barracuda, and it was like, huh? What? You yell Shark. We got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July, Craig. Talk, no, talk about that movie. No, I don't want to talk about that specific movie. That's but, too easy. Dude, look, he, he, he's going to be contrarian. Why don't you just talk about it a little bit, just in case there are people who don't know what we're talking about. Hey, I'll talk about the 1975 motion picture, Jaws. The ultimate summer motion picture. The ultimate summer blockbuster. Jaws is one of the greatest movies ever made, man. And literally, you can see it at least at four or five different places in July. Two, which are on 35, and the others are DCP, but... You want the 35 experience. Definitely one of the two. When I think of like the quintessential July 4th movie, one of the two movies that pops into my head. And and Return of the Living Dead, kind of, because it takes place uh, on oh, July, the other July, July 3rd and July 4th. I, well, I don't, know what you, I don't know what you like, Connor. It's not that I like. I actually like Jaws way more than the other movie, but I think the other, I feel like the other more modern quintessential one is Independence Day. Yeah, that's true. Ah. Edwin, that was a good deep cut. Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, not not not, not, not a lot of people programmed that on, on July, in July. It's really interesting. And now, now they're starting to do it. Vidiots is going to do it. I might see it over there. But I'm going to wait for a 35 print, just saying. There's a lot there's a lot of great American movies, man. A lot, 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 lot of patriotism, you know? Like uh, The Great Escape. That's one of the greatest all-time American pictures of all time. But to me, the greatest American movie ever made. Probably one of the greatest films possibly ever made with a great script. George C. Scott's Patton. Hardcore. No. Patton. <laughs> Patton. All right? Patton. Exorcist 3. Okay, go ahead. You go straight back to hell, man. Where, 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 where's your patriotism, huh? Where's, where's your honor, man? Well, that's an interesting call because I, I love Patton and I love Coppola's script, which I think he co-wrote. He won the Oscar for it. But the point of Patton a bit is what a complicated dude Patton was. Yeah, yeah. You can see it in the movie. Man. He, was, he was like a stubborn ass, but great American. When someone, when someone asks him, do you, you, you read the Bible, sir? Here we go. Day. Like, yeah, that's America right there, man. <laughs> All right. But, 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 uh, but you know, but there's, there's, there's I, got, I got a couple more things. There's also one more great American motion picture, and that's a man that redefined everything, who cheated death, killed the snake with his own eyes. That man is Chuck Norris. And that movie's Invasion USA, man. The second greatest American movie ever made. Although it takes place during Christmas. It's Christmas. Yes, yeah. Christmas really oh, still, man. It's, it's still an American movie, man. Still an American movie. Financed by Israelis. Christmas in July. That's it. There you go. Christmas in July. I will comment for the sake of, of the occasional support of one Edwin Gomez. Invasion USA is a great film. I had a great time watching it with him for his birthday a while back. Uh, I, I, I'm definitely on the Jaws train. I think watching Jaws on a projector in someone's backyard has become this weird tradition that's happened at multiple people's houses that are 
unrelated different friend groups it's just like seems to be a thing that people do i'm a fan people who are listening will know this but somebody came up with the qualitative rubric i thought was really funny which was but is it better than jaws if you put any movie up against jaws interestingly most of them you would go actually jaws is probably better and i thought that was a really interesting way to look at things because my favorite spielberg movie uh, in my top 50 of all time is Raiders of the Lost Ark. But if you ask me technically, Jaws is a miracle of a film. And I understand what people mean when they talk about technically Jaws may be Spielberg's most perfect film, ironically. But conversation for another time. Jaws 2. <sighs> I'm talking Jaws about Jaws 2. Wow. 2 you re- baby. Yeah, really, really drop the mic there, Edwin. Jaws 2. Jaws 2 is a masterpiece. You just don't know. Fair to Edwin. I didn't super prepare for either of these because it's been a yeah. whirlwind in my world lately. Um, I had two options. One is kind of half-hearted. Just as an alternative to Independence Day is you can watch Mars Attacks. Feels like it is when you watch it, you're like, this feels like it was a parody of Independence Day, but it was basically made at the exact same time, overlapped in a way that it kind of couldn't have been, which I guess maybe just talks about the more of like the classic ur-texts that those are drawing from of like disaster movies and stuff. But Mars Attacks has the problem of only being like half good. Right. And there's a lot of that movie that feels pretty lifeless. And like great ideas, like the idea of Jack Nicholson playing multiple roles is an amazing idea that like he wasn't served by the script or the storytelling. Red Letter Media actually did a video on it recently that was pretty good. And But there are some also very good jokes in that too like the one where the aliens have in their one of their saucers have knocked over the washington monument and these kids are running from the monument uh, trying to get squished and the the ufo is going around the monument and like re-knocking it over in the direction of where the kids are running to try to get the kids little things like that that are kind of fun but then it's just one of those things where you can kind of you can kind of feel that's when like Tim Burton starts to stop care as much while he's making a movie, which I, I hate to say because I think he's a great filmmaker. I, I don't know. I think he just got tired maybe, which, you know, fair enough. Even though it's technically not a 4th of July movie really at all, when I think of 4th of July and especially when I think about like this background, I think about one of my favorite movies of all time, Blowout. Which is set on, I think, the fictional... I mean, I guess Liberty Day is like a thing, but the Liberty Day parade isn't a thing from what I remember. Um, It clearly is the 4th of July, but I think the audience often assumes it's the 4th of July. Yeah, it's supposed to be the 19th of April. I guess it's supposed to be the day that the, the bell cracked or something. It's possible that there's multiple, actually, Liberty Days. He almost, like, invents a holiday for Philadelphia, is is my understanding, is that even if there is, like, a celebration like that, it's not to the extent that it is, because they're going all out. It's also political in its way, which also fits the holiday, but it's about a uh, John Travolta is a sound recorder who records the sound of a blowout. Two people in the car, one dies, the other he saves, Nancy Allen. The one who dies, we find out, was probably going to be the next president. And when John Travolta listens back to his recording of the accident, he hears a gunshot. And then conspiracies happen. And it's a, it's a great thriller. I just rewatched it a couple, a couple of weeks ago on a beautiful Criterion 4K that came out last year. I've probably talked about it before. I'm sure we have. I think we talked about it a couple months ago, actually, on like a 
Hitchcock related episode. But uh, it's funny. This has nothing to do with Fourth of July. But I realized something watching it last time. Something about the movie. I don't know how much people remember that movie. If the people are going to be able to follow along with this. But it's it's the one main thing I want to talk about with Blowout. And I wanted to figure out a way to sneak it into the podcast. Which is that in the movie As Is... Nancy Allen visits Dennis Franz twice at his like little crappy apartment. And I'm almost positive now, having watched it for like the dozenth time or whatever, originally as scripted and shot. And until the edit, that was one scene. And the whole scene took place where the second scene is supposed to happen. And they must have realized in the edit that they needed to restructure it. If you watch it again and watch it from that and like all the the way the other scenes and like what information, you know, it totally makes sense that 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 must have been how it was shot and originally like edited until like a later point in the edit. The information is in a slightly different order, but you can kind of see like, oh, they must have thought that us not knowing stuff. But I think in the way they edited it, we kind of know earlier that one, Nancy Allen kind of knows more about what's going on. It makes her less naive and innocent that she's like going to this guy without John Travolta's prompting. There's also some info we find out about like uh, the John Lithgow character a little earlier and like the job that was going on. But it's just one of those things. I was like, I've never, I've never watched a movie so many times that I cracked the code and like was able to reverse engineer the way certain scenes were obviously supposed to go. Testament to good editing. Though. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, the fact that it took me that many times to watch it. I think the main thing I noticed is that Dennis Franz and Nancy Allen are in the exact same costumes in both of those scenes. And specifically, he's in this wife beater with like a very specific pattern of grease stains. And it's the exact same, which would be an incredible. I think I might do that for uh, Halloween one year is dress up as Dennis, Dennis Franz, Franz from that block. scene. That's going to be a hit, dude. Don't be a dog. Everyone's going to recognize it. Money's money. choices and I have an explanation for both. My number one choice for 4th of July picture is I think for me the 4th of July is both about the date but also about the concept. The concept of whatever it is the concept is. And my number one America movie I think is All the President's Men which to me makes me feel the way that I think the 4th of July is supposed to make you feel to some degree. Right? Paranoid? Yeah. And it gives me the same thrill of watching fireworks go off as when I was a kid, but I'm watching people be real good at their job. I have this subset. I don't know if it's official, but there's this subset. I've been calling it proficiency porn, which is movies of people that are just damn good at their job. And I love it because you're good at your job. Even when you're like a bad guy, if you're good at your job, I love, I love some technical know how this is a tv show but like mad men kind of yeah i actually i've never finished mad men i watched the first season i'm so sorry i will watch he's very good at his job in mad men spoilers yeah there's just there's just something about people being good at their job that gets gets me um pg podcast uh i like it that's all i'll say but then my new standard i think for the fourth of july and this comes from we just we just watched this for one elise metcalf's birthday top gun maverick i think if the fourth of july is about america then nothing says america like military propaganda and nothing says military propaganda done right like top gun and top gun maverick and specifically top gun maverick it's got I don't know what it is, but the technical merits of the filmmaking gives me the same thrill that fireworks do. Because they're up in the air. I'm saluting them all the same. It's beautiful. 
I don't, I don't really, I don't know what else to say uh, about it. You know, I saw Maverick for the first time with you guys. I had to go home. I wanted to ask what you thought. Echoing what a lot of people said. Although I've come to the conclusion that they're actually very different movies. Absolutely. And you actually have to appreciate what they do given their context. The first Top Gun is Tom Cruise, young guy, just sort of this summer explosion. Maverick has an interesting bittersweetness, and I actually preferred Maverick because of maybe where I am in my life, but because of the emotional resonance of a guy who doesn't have a family, who's made a lot of mistakes, who by the end of the movie has a family. And I actually, I found that very, very moving. And I actually thought that they pulled it off. Sometimes, you know, a movie will do that and you're supposed to feel that way. And you're like, okay, I get how I'm supposed to feel. But I genuinely felt at the end of the movie, I was like, oh man, you know, they also do the tough thing of, Cruz is not with Kelly McGillis from the first movie. Mm-hmm. It's a completely new character, Penny, played by Jennifer Connelly. And yet you feel they have history and you kind of buy, right? The guy has probably been womanizing for 30 years, that character. Pete Maverick Mitchell's probably been womanizing. And Penny was maybe a woman later on that, you know, they got older, they had, you know, she had a kid, da da da. I thought it was really well pulled off. I thought the movie was ridiculous. In certain oh, yeah. ways, I, I agree. I think that the character we leave, it's so it was. I never watched them back to back like that, and I think leaving the character where we left him, it makes sense that he lost. Like who he is as a person in Top Gun, even though he wins technically in the in the conclusion to some degree, is like a, a product of the '80s and an issue that would not continue through the '90s and 2000s into the present day. So I think it makes sense that he's still alone at the beginning of this. And like I, I think it's so funny that these are both have this weird military propaganda allure to them. Like, I know that the first one had a huge uptick in people signing up for the Navy afterwards with kind of the concepts of what, you know, here's what you could could do. But it's so interesting because it all looks, outside of the actual flying, it looks awful. Like, everything outside of the camaraderie, I guess, and the, the allure of, of flying seems like a miserable time. Like, these people don't have close connections with their families back home. There's I mean, not just, to do this analytical critic studies deep dive into Top Gun Maverick. But the other thing that's interesting is the storyline in Maverick is subtly critical of military decisions that it's not in the first Top Gun, by which I mean the people running the mission, John Hamm, pretty much know it's a suicide mission. They're basically sending all of these Top Guns to die and all they care about is the objective. Whereas Pete Maverick Mitchell because of his inside experience, knows that it's a suicide mission. And the tension in the story is he wants them to live. They keep saying, oh, they know, they know that that's the mission, but we never hear any of the actual pilots say that. It's always spoken for them. I thought that was an interesting thing. So it, it, it's an interestingly subtly critical statement about how the military objectifies the people who work for the military. It just in an interesting way. I mean, again, it's not hammered. The thing I found ridiculous was the ending, which people have to see. And it's great. I mean, it was great. But the fact that Miles Teller and Tom Cruise could eject at Mach 10 and then suddenly a foreign power would just leave a plane like totally plugged in, ready to go. And they could just <laughs> walk across the airfield and requisition that thing. And then everyone in that country would be bumbling like, who are these people? I was like, I was like, OK. That's how I feel like General America assumes all potential enemies are. So 
in the credits of Top Gun Maverick, Warlock, one of the the general with John Hamm's character, his full name in the credits is Rear Admiral Solomon Warlock Bates. One of fiction's greatest works is that name. What's his name? The actor's name? Charles Parnell. And Charles Parnell is also in, he's going to be in the new Mission Impossible. So I'm hoping that Cruz loved working with him and was like, you're coming over to this. I think one of the interesting things about Summer is I like the subgenres of the camp movie and then the last day of school movie, both of which actually inaugurate summer in some way. The camp movie, what's interesting is that it represents horror often. Not always. You can either go the camp movie comedy, Wet Hot American uh, Summer, or like the John Cusack movie, One Crazy Summer, Meatballs. It could be the sex comedy. All the teenagers go to camp. They have the summer they're never going to forget. They meet someone they love. Panty raids, sex comedy. Someone gets laid. There's a competition with another camp. Doesn't hold up. Doesn't hold up. <laughs> Problematic. <laughs> But then there's like the horror camp, which uh, you got Friday the 13th and then uh, sleepaway camp would be mega problem. But it's all like the kids go and then someone's killing the kids having sex. And it's like problematic upon problematic looking at the 80s. The last day of school genre is weirdly now going into at least its fourth decade, fifth decade. And I'm sure it existed even before American Graffiti. But American Graffiti set the template of, hey, we're all graduating. And it's one night. And I, I get why it's a genre, because it's this great microcosmic Greek drama way, all in one unified night of time, to show we are moving from kids to adults. And over this night, we're all going to experience these things. And by the end of the night, our characters will change. If you're a writer, the dramaturgical utility of doing it is actually pretty ingenious. And this would be American Graffiti, Dazed and Confused, Super Bad, Book Smart, and I'm sure countless other movies I'm not thinking of. And then the summer movie we all were thinking of, the Lillian Gish, Vincent Price star, The Whales of August. Who wants to kick us off on that? The fuck is that? <laughs> uh, no, Craig, we're here to talk about real July motion pictures, man. The whales of August. Yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not, who, who cares? You ageist. You're such an ageist. The whales of August is about people, Edwin, with a lot of experience in their 60s and 70s who all gather at a summer house and the whales pass by because it's oh, on the ocean and they, they look back at their life. It's the quintessential summer movie. That's the whale attack. <laughs> is it like Orca, the killer whale, man? I mean, come on. Pop culture, final thoughts. Who wants to kick us off? Edwin, you're so full of things to say. Why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I think I will, Craig. I think I will. Since you don't show up in the movie anymore, man. So you could show Jaws at Million Dollar Theater. Could have done a lot of things, man. All right. You know, I have, I've been a busy bee. You know, watching pictures, seeing pictures. Stinging people. I rewatched, uh, actually, I, this is the first time I've seen this. It's a movie called Firstborn, starring the great Peter Weller, who, who is a f***ed up stepfather. Great movie. Also saw Renfield for the first time. Pretty decent picture. Oh, I also checked out uh, Vidiots in Eagle Rock Theater. Saw uh, their first movie there, Best in Shell, which was awesome. Later, I went to go see The Big Lebowski. Still great comedy. And uh, yeah, you know, it's been renting out movies, man. Wrote another script. Let's see, that gets going. It's busy. Watching movies. Getting high, man. America. Watches Dazed and Confused once. Culture has been thriving. And by that, I mean, I've been so busy, I have watched very little. That's okay. There's a ton of good music. I don't know if you guys are prepped for the month ahead, but 
wild few weeks ahead. We've got Dead Reckoning. We've got Oppenheimer. We've got Barbie. The trailer for Challengers just dropped today. It's, yeah, I'm overwhelmed. The real thing I'm here to talk about today is is um, the talk of the summer should be currently all focused on Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, God. Into the Spider-Verse fluctuates in my brain as being not only one of the best superhero movies, period. I think it's phenomenal and as an indicator of the most interesting ways that artists in the 3D animation space were really taking advantage of sort of like what comics offer and putting them on the screen in ways that lets you kind of replicate why what makes them so beautiful on the page. And I think Across the Spider-Verse, which is a different directorial team, but the same writers and producers absolutely kills it in that regard. Uh, it does have a little bit of the part one syndrome, but it has a this very smart thing, which is the characters that it focuses on other characters have complete story arcs to make up for that, so you still feel satisfied as it comes to a conclusion, even though the story's not over, if that makes sense. It's it's a little long. It's like two hours and 20 minutes, but it is like a, a beautiful fever dream. And Could have been that hour. Uh, for whatever it's worth, a buddy of mine wrote me to ask, uh, what are your favorite films of the 2010s? And I put in Un Prophet, and he was like, actually, that doesn't count because that's 2009. And uh, I was like, oh, well, that's easy then. Then swap in uh, Into the Spider-Verse. And he was like, what? And I was like, no, absolutely. Into the Spider-Verse is one of the greatest movies of the last 10 years, in my opinion. I think Spider-Verse movies are great, too, but they could be better, which is why I've started a change.org petition. You can go to <laughs> tinyurl.com slash Breen in Spider-Verse. That's all one word. Uh, I'm just going to read from my copy that I wrote. Everyone knows that actor, writer, director, craft services professional Neil Breen is the most handsome man on earth, our greatest living filmmaker, my dad, and the world's biggest Spider-Man fan. So let's make my Neil's America's and Humanity's dreams come true and put Mr. Breen in Spider-Verse 3, a.k.a. Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse. Haley Steinfeld hasn't even recorded her lines yet, so I'm sure we could get Mr. Breen in there as a character called like Spider-Breen who hates banks and politicians or something. I just signed your petition, Connor. I think at that point I'll be at five signatures, which means it'll go live on change.org, so now that it'll be exposed to the public. So hopefully we'll get this ball rolling and uh, those Sony execs will will finally listen to what the people really want. We don't want Craven the Hunter. We want Neil Breen in Spider-Verse 3. Why not? Yeah, you can. I'm actually going to start streaming again soon. The first thing I'm going to do, even though I love Resident Evil, I'm actually wearing a Resident Evil shirt. This wasn't planned. I've only completely beaten uh, nine of the 16 mainline Resident Evil games. There's 16 mainline Resident Evil games, in case people are wondering. And so I'm going to start playing through on stream the ones I haven't, or at least most of them. And I'm going to start with the, the remake of 3, the only modern Resident Evil game I haven't played through. And I think that's going to be Mondays at about... Uh, 6 p.m. California time at twitch.tv slash Connor Cruz. You can find me in my Discord there and follow me whenever I stream. And uh, I also do D&D Tuesday evenings at twitch.tv slash Nerdhalla. We're wrapping up soon. Spoilers, but our uh, essentially our main character, to the degree that we have a main character, just died. <laughs> we just had like a funeral <laughs> episode for the character. It was really sad, actually. I got I got really wrapped up in it. And I guess I should say this, too. You're going to have to follow this, uh, Craig. We took a break from the podcast, m mostly motivated by the fact that my, uh, my dog of 
12 years batman uh just passed away and uh the most beautifulest boy yeah it's it's been rough you know i'm gonna keep it together right now because <laughs> i'm not gonna make myself cry but <laughs> it's okay if you do i've already yeah listen i've done it enough <laughs> i don't i don't need to. i don't need to work myself up right now but people have been so lovely and yeah i just uh i love you batman um we all love batman here's a good way i can end it on a positive uh a more positive note is the first time after, you know, because I texted a bunch of friends basically telling them what had happened when when he finally passed. And especially even just before that, I texted them saying, you know, like things are looking bad. About five or so days after he passed, I went up to the Million Dollar Theater just to say hi to people. And that was the first time I had seen Edwin in person since Batman had been gone. And uh, unprompted, Edwin walked out from behind the counter, probably where he was supposed to be working, and came up to me and gave me the biggest, longest, sweetest hug he's ever given me. And, uh, yeah, I just want to thank you, Edwin, and thanks to all these guys, too. That's what we do, man. Dog's up there, smoking a J with God. Dog God <laughs> is living his best life, man. Nice. Oh, that's what I do. That's what I do. Take that, Craig. Well, there you, we should probably just end there. I'll save my pop culture for another pod. But I, I will just say that Batman, I believe, is in one way or another on almost 140 of our 152 podcasts. Every time that Connor recorded, uh, Batman was usually kicking it on the sofa right behind Connor. And he would occasionally lift his head. And then he'd be like, oh, this again. And then he'd uh, chill. But he was there. You would occasionally hear him probably chime in with an opinion that was brilliant and like haiku focused and none of us spoke dog well enough to understand that he was like basically making the most important point, but he would, he Batman was in some ways the unofficial or the official fifth of uh, the podcast team. So God bless Batman. I think I've already said it, Connor, but we'll not even try and comprehend your experience with it. But I hope you take solace in knowing that like Batman beyond just you was like this, loved icon podcast and friend wise and like a dog's entire exist like we love our pets unconditionally but their entire like their world is only you and the life you gave to batman i hope that you ride on like the beauty of his entire existence being a lovely thing because of you and i think that is worth telling Sorry to hit you with that, but I think it's I think it's a beautiful thing, and I hope it brings you comfort knowing that every minute of his existence was lovely because of you. I think the first time I met Batman live in person, it was Halloween, and you brought him to the Vista dressed as Batman, didn't you? We were dressed as Scooby and Shaggy. Oh, that's right. <laughs> My low effort, semi-low effort. I mean, what are you going to do? I had a teal shirt and some like uh, purple corduroy pants, and I had gotten him a, a cyan dog collar with a little ornamental scooby sd tag i remember that it was like 2018 right yeah i'm gonna get another dog eventually but i always wanted i was gonna do it this year i was gonna dress him up as wolverine and i was gonna go as beast um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but well you know well rest in peace rest in power batman next podcast will be secret movie club podcast 155 we're gonna talk about david lynch's the straight story and then director's oddball entries or the unexpected things they direct. And you're like, really? Ex-director made that? So stay tuned for that. As always, this episode was edited by our chief creative content officer, Connor Lloyd Cruz. 
as always, you can find out everything we do at secretmovieclub.com, get tickets for events at Eventbrite, just go Eventbrite Secret Movie Club, and you can write us at community at secretmovieclub.com, and uh, if you give us reviews, Google, Yelp, Apple Podcasts, uh, whether for events or podcasts, we appreciate it. Future Connor, one more time, tell us what's coming up this week. That's Satoshi Khan's Paprika tonight, two shows, the first show is sold out, second show might not be. And then our secret filmmaking workshop for July on Wednesday. I, I would like to end this in a song, if possible, because of the, the theme we're going All for right. here. All right, Edwin, take us out. You know, it's, it's appropriate, you know. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and want to go to bed. Take it away, Craig. Why are we singing the Jaws song as a way to commemorate that? Because, man. And Robert Shaw gets eaten. Okay, you just get up, man. It's a great song. I wish I knew it. I mean, I can bang the pots and everything they do. You ruined it. You ruined the whole thing. Thank you, Craig. Okay. Yeah, put it on me. I accept. I will. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, I'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. Uh, 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 I love you, Is that? That's what that's you as America Gomez.